All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Rob Burnett, and I've got Brad Bickerton with me here. Uh, welcome to the Daddy-O podcast. Uh, on today's episode, you're going to hear about baby's first vacation, colostrum harvesting, sweeps, uh, and just preparing for baby in general. Uh, Brad, good to see you. Happy New Year. How you doing? Hi, it's it's great. Uh, it's funny how much I missed doing this with you, and I thought about it on vacation and all the little stories. Oh, I can't wait to Daddy-O that and Daddy-O this. And Sarah Beth kind of looks at me and goes, oh, you've got a good one. Uh, and and we'll get into that when we go to uh, vacation and and hint it has to do with sand, but I'd also like to share something with you, Rob, that you don't know that I know, which is a father and a CEO friend of mine listened to our last episode and said this is excellent. When can I listen to the next one? So we have a yes. listener and a, an anecdotal verbal. Uh, so it's time to start getting these out there and see if other people like it too. But. People who aren't you and I or married to you and I uh, are enjoying what we're doing. I can't wait to get it out there. It's going to be fun. Well, Brad, I think my, uh, I hear that you went on like your first ever little vacation with the baby. How, tell, tell me about it. How was it? So everybody will tell you this and you will hear this and you will not know it until you do it, that vacation with an infant is an alternative place to parent. A lot of the stuff is the same, um, but it's also totally worth it. And you know, we just moved houses, and we moved houses on, and then we literally left on vacation. So the, the big move happened on a Thursday, and vacation left on Saturday. Uh, our baby did great. It was a flight from Denver to Miami. There was on both flights some terrorist child. I mean, seriously, terrorist child screaming their head off. But it wasn't Theodore. He is super happy just to bounce on mom. And as long as he's got access to to food and warmth. And we had great people sitting next to us both ways. One guy didn't care at all. The other guys, oh, these are my twins and they're eight. And literally there's a society in a plane of other parents who are on your side. As a bachelor, I always looked at the babies as, oh, the other, them, those people. Oh, thank God for noise canceling headphones. But when you bring baby, guess what? There's looks all over the place of people going, yeah, I've been there. Yep, I got that. Do you need help? So also Theodore loves to look at people, doesn't necessarily love to be held or touched by people. That's kind of iffy. There's some stranger danger. And so we're becoming more aware of that. And so we get an Airbnb and that's a whole struggle, trial, difficulty along the way. But Theo wasn't a problem. However, I've been told about the beach. There are three types of babies, infants, not, not yet mobile. There's, I don't like being dirty. There's, I love the sand. And there's, I love to eat sand. We have an, I love to eat sand baby. Literally fistfuls of sand. We had to actively pause him from doing that. But the really, really funny thing is that we went to kind of a, a higher end restaurant for lunch. And it's maybe day three. And then Sarah Beth comes out. She, she knows she needs a diaper change. He's a little stinky. And she comes back laughing, just, just laughing. And she goes, I'm not sure if he still has sand from the beach in his diaper. We put it on wrong. Or if he just pooped sand, sweetie, he just pooped sand. And it takes days to clear that. And you're wiping your baby's bum and he's a soft, cute little bum. And you're like, it's like you're rubbing his bum with sandpaper, but it's his fault because the sand goes in and he only eats milk. The sand needs to come out. The sand needs to come out. 
And so we've been laughing, a little bit laughing about that the the whole time. So lots of little journeys and learnings. Um, We're very thankful for for being able to get out of Dodge and go and just be the two of us together for a couple of days. That was really worthwhile. Well, I'm glad you're able to laugh about it too, because I'm kind of of this opinion that like kids for time from from, for centuries have put things in their mouths. And I presume that there's got to be all kinds of good, like health and immune system and, and gut microbiome like benefits to that. And I think they probably, kids probably don't get dirty enough these days. Um, and so I'm glad that you're, you're, you're taking that one in stride. Cause I think that that's probably, I mean, on my totally non-scientific opinion of that is there's gotta be some benefits to kids just touching things and put things in their mouth and playing with stuff. Yeah. The, the, Lactation consultant we had talked about that, and she pretty much said the scientific research follows what you just said. It's that babies do need to develop these immune systems, and also they're still in in connection with mom and their immune system. And so if mom gets sick, as she develops antibodies, she gives them through the milk to baby. As baby gets sick, mom will give the antibodies to baby. And so this time of putting everything in their mouth and having these germs and having these bacteria and all that, mom is supporting them. So from when you think about the fragility of a baby, as a physical baby, yeah, I mean, they can tip over and knock their head and that could be really bad because they have no muscle strength. They can't control it. But from the from the immune health, mom is still supporting the baby just the same as from a physical health. I am holding up the baby or she is or booster seat or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's good to be dirty. <laughs> That's awesome. So for any kind of new parents, what are the big takeaways from baby's first trip? Any tips or tricks? Yeah. So do it. Uh, number one, um, food is is really, really difficult, especially for me, gluten-free, but also for Sarah Beth, really have a good food plan because in the end, it was 10 hours from when we left home to when we got to the Airbnb and we needed to be able to survive 10 hours on the fly. Um the other thing is grace and space and and communication. That was where we really got in trouble. Not that we ever really fought, but you know, I thought that I should go take baby and change his diaper after because she'd been holding him for the whole flight. And I didn't communicate that with her and I started walking over that way and she's walking the other way. Whoa, pause. Um, but as far as tips and tricks for infant level, they're pretty good with it. Um, it's pretty well written about and known to have baby feeding during takeoff and landing. And that's because the sucking noise, the sucking action is the same as you or I blowing our nose to clear, clear our ears. So that's, that's good. Um, we can talk about keeping them awake longer later. So a couple other things for air travel, we checked his car seat and we liked doing that because the, the, whether you're renting a car or you're taking an Uber. We actually hired a driver one day. It's nice to have your own car seat. And a lot of car seats these days, they'll have the attachment piece that's kind of semi-permanent-ish. Don't bring that. But they'll also have something where the car seat can just be buckled in. And so that's the car seat we took. So having our own equipment was really nice. And then we also brought our stroller. And strollers are complicated through security. Um, You basically are going to have to wheel it in as it is it's too big to fit in any of the scanners. Um, and so in the end, they're going to have to 
make you go through the whole process of, you know, they'll wipe your shoes and put it in the little sensor thing and, you know, turn around three times to the left and then touch your left toe and all that stuff that you have to do through security. And while that's happening, mom also has to take care of baby. So all of a sudden the division of labor becomes very sharp of get through security with baby mom, get all of baby stuff and dad through security, dad. And um, that's, that's a definite, it's almost like you want to dry run it at home. <laughs> And we, we did do that. We talked straight through it. It was actually when we were driving, they were like, okay, so you're going to go this way. I'm going to do this. going to hold on to this. going to do that. And we're going to meet at Voodoo Donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Got it. I know exactly where that Voodoo Donuts is at DIA. It's a great meeting spot. Uh, Rob, let's flip it back to you. Uh, we haven't talked sure. a little bit. What's going on with the pregnancy journey? Remind us where you're at because I may know that right now, but someday we'll listen to this again. How are you feeling? What's what's Rob's world as almost father feel like? It's close now. So we're we're in the home stretch officially. So we are at 39 weeks today. So episode I had COVID fully recovered back at it really good. Um and yeah, so today we're it's as of today, right now is for time of recording, we're at 39 weeks exactly. So it is like full on game time now. Like this is it's ready to go, the baby's ready. Um, you know, for anyone who's, who knows, or anyone who's going through this journey, right? Like 37 weeks is like term, like it's okay. It's not a premature baby at that point. So that was January 1st for us. So for the last two weeks, we've basically been kind of like, okay, like he could come anytime, but we kind of know he's, you know, there's very small chance he would. Uh, but now it's like, okay, as of today, it's like, he can come anytime. And there's like a 50% chance he comes this week. Um, and we've got this kind of two week window between week 39 and the end of week 40 that we really want him to be born in. Cause if he's not born now, he starts getting late, starts getting big. Um, so this is like crunch time now. Um, but we're feeling really good. Uh, I'll get into a lot of what we've been doing recently, but I think the, the big thing today is, you know, if anyone doesn't know, so we did something called a sweep and, uh, I'm, Talk to your medical professionals about this. I don't know how you know people in the U.S. versus the U.K. do it. What the recommendations are? I'm just a guy on a podcast, like telling you what we did, and you can go look into it. But a sweep is essentially, um, basically, a, a medical professional will will get up in your wife's business <laughs> to use a technical term and uh, put a finger in the cervix and start to break some of the membrane and get things going. Uh, and something like 20% of women who have sweep, uh, will go into labor within 48 hours. So it's, it's, a it's kind of a, well, it's invasive, but it's a relatively, um, quick way to, to try to just induce labor and, and get things going. Uh, so when we went to our midwife appointment today, uh, the baby's looking good, he's in a good position and he's fully engaged now, which means his head's basically all the way down in my wife's pelvis, um, which makes you know, sleeping through the night and not having to use the bathroom very hard, but it means that he's on his way towards the exit. Um, and, and we did the sweep. So, you know, there's a possibility that in the next 48 hours, I'll have a baby. Otherwise he's definitely headed in the right direction, which has both my wife and I kind of very feeling very good. Cause you know, it's so far things are knock on wood, moving in the right direction at the right pace. So that's really good. None of the fear gremlins, the person with the bad experience or story, any of that coming into your mind, or is it just you keep getting this reinforcement of everything's kind of following a normal path, therefore we're on a normal path, and the normal path is difficult but healthy. Uh, what, where's your headspace? Yeah. 
my headspace has been pretty good. I'm trying very much to like stay on the positive headspace path. I'm very much kind of wearing the, um, I feel like it's my job to be the kind of like positive cheerleader in all of this, like kind of, you know, I've, I've thought through some down, downside scenarios and things, but my job really isn't to bring those up. Uh, my job's to, to keep things positive and happy. We're trying to keep the oxytocin levels high, trying to get, get my wife to go into labor. Like that's my job as far as I'm concerned. I definitely have some fear, but I will say, you know, at the risk of, again, knocking on wood, I'm definitely less nervous now than I was at the beginning of the pregnancy. I feel like between everything I've learned, between this podcast, between like kind of taking classes, talking to experienced professionals, like I know there's plenty that can go wrong in delivery, but I feel so much more confident now in kind of our progression, the journey, how healthy Laura has been, that uh, I'm not... I'm not nearly as scared as I was going into the pregnancy about kind of this part of it, the the birth, labor, and delivery. Now, Laura is um, rightfully quite nervous about it because she's the one who's actually going to have to experience like the ordeal of giving birth. And she's done great. She's got such a good attitude about it, um, but it's, of course, nerve wracking. So she kind of fluctuates between I'm excited and I can't wait to meet him. And, oh, God, it's going to happen. I'm really nervous about giving birth. There's this really cruel, funny thing about biology. And Sarah Beth was nervous in the lead up to it. The process itself, it's just, it's rough. It's a rough process. And I think I've mentioned this before. If I didn't need to be with the woman I love because she loves me, she needs me as a cheerleader, she needs me as mental support, help, advocacy, she needs me in the room. If that weren't true, I don't think fathers should be in the room. It's tough to watch the person you love go through this. And so you got to swallow a little bit of that because they're the one going through it. You're just watching. But the the interesting biological twist is it took Sarah Beth less than one minute post baby to completely forget about all the pain of pregnancy. I mean, the entire 10 months of pregnancy gone in a minute, including that last hour and that last push and that last everything. Soon as baby's out, oxytocin hits their body. A soul comes and puts its, an angel comes and puts its hand on her shoulder, whatever you believe. They actually have this fun win. Whereas we're kind of a little more steady through. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's okay to be a cheerleader. Cause that's what she remembers. She remembers me touching her back. She remembers me reading Harry Potter to her. She remembers me kind of pushing the nurses around in that clever way that I do. She doesn't remember that at one point after her water broke, she started shaking and uncontrollably needing to throw up. She doesn't remember that. In fact, if she doesn't listen to this episode, she might not ever hear those words again. And it happened to her. So, yeah. And we're kind of, we're getting, we're gearing up for that. And, um, you know, I think right now the name of the game is like we t- we did all the work. So now the name of the game is like aim squarely towards the best case scenario and stay calm and loose. Um, and nice. you know, if the if the worst case scenarios come, we'll deal with them then. But there's no point. You know, we kind of we've done the work. No point in 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 trying to worry about them right now. So a lot of really good feelings, a lot of good energy. The vibes good. And I'm just going to shout out Laura. She's just been an absolute rock star. You know, we kind of been thinking about it. And one thing I want to talk about today is kind of like how we've prepped for the baby. And she's just been an absolute rock star and kind of like doing all the little things. And I think that's helped both of us. We both like, you know, we're a little type A. We like to be in control. And it feels good at the end of the process to feel like, you know what? We did just about everything we think we should have done. Looking back, 
you know, there's some things we would have tweaked, but we don't look back and go, oh man, well, we, we wish we had started working out earlier, or we wish we had eaten healthier, or we wish we had, you know, done stretches better. We're, we're feeling good coming into it, which is a, a great feeling to have. Really well done. I'm I'm so, so happy to hear that. And when you first told me that you were pregnant months ago uh, and you were kind of thinking like, where are we going to be at the end of this journey? And what do we need to prep? And you made a plan, you followed it. And there are potential negative outcomes. But the interesting thing about that is in a first world country, the medical professionals have seen it all and they know what to do. And you haven't, and you don't. So that type A personality is more lean in on the medical staff. They know what they're doing until it comes to administration. Anything administrative, which of course you're in the UK, so billing won't be a problem for you, but that's where you can advocate. But anything medical, kind of, they got this because they do it. I think our birth center does about 200 babies a month. A month. Yeah. They know what's going on. Well, our hospital does something like, hold on, 8,000 babies a year. Yeah. So that's six, <laughs> the 666 a month. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of babies. A lot of babies. It's that's a lot of babies. 20 a day? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're not special. Yeah, no. Special to me. Like you, they, they've seen it. They've seen it all before. This month, the, they've seen it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they really have. <laughs> You, but actually, Brad, you, you brought something up that I want to touch on real quick because it's something, it's a discussion Laura and I had a couple of days ago. And I'm wondering if you either experienced this or you and Sarah Beth talked about this at all was in, a, in an attempt to kind of reframe the fear around birth. The one thing that we, we talked about was that, you know, we're about to experience basically the biggest change I think a human being can experience, right? The, 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 the change from being a, an individual or a couple to a parent. I mean, there's not really any other changes that happen that come into your life that are quite that monumental and on a dime. Whereas like today I'm not a parent tomorrow. I might be a parent. Um, and Laura and I talked about the fact that like both her going through labor, which she kind of want, even though she, you know, she could just do a cesarean electively, but like she kind of she, a part of her, even though she's scared wants to go through it. And even, and I sit there and go through it with her, you know, we talk about kind of the, the value of ceremony and the, the value of kind of like um, transition in life. And it is kind of this, we're trying to wrap our heads around the idea that labor is almost this little gift where you kind of go through this ordeal as a way to transition together. And for like Laura to transition from, you know, person into mom. And I don't know if that, if that, if you guys felt that kind of like, it did feel like this kind of ceremony and this, this ordeal that you could kind of go through a coming of, you know, kind of coming age of a uh, kind of experience. You're bringing together a lot of concepts and this is why it's fun that this is a business yeah. and a, and a dad thing. So for years, I've talked about state shifts in companies that there's a period of time where you're an early stage startup and you don't have revenue or you raise your first money. And that the way I design how a startup works is five stages and they're full state shifts. And the metaphor that I use, the illustration that I used for years was, think about it this way. A state, a full state shift is the difference between the last day of pregnancy and the first day of having a baby. Because everyone gets that. It doesn't matter if you're a 22-year-old and you know asexual, that you get that. The other one I had to use because it was yet to be a father and it was a little disingenuous for me to use that one was the difference between running for office and governing. That's another full state shift. 
But the other part of that metaphor is for everyone else on earth, the sun went down, the sun came up. It was a day. For you, it'll never be different. Sarah Beth and I believe very strongly in taking time to be ceremonial. And one of the things that we do is we make these little plaques. Um, the the quotes that we were talking about at this time or the things that we're doing. And sometimes we write them in a journal, sometimes other places. What we ended up doing for the ceremony of the birth was I took all the notes that I could during those very short windows of time. And then about two weeks later, we sat, we wrote the narrative into a journal. And that was our ceremony, right? That was our taking our collective knowledge of what did it feel like for her? What did I see and experience? What is this photo or is this text? And and turning that into a singular story. And that's how we celebrated this state shift. But the second thing that I'd say about it is, especially for mom, the state shift happens within minutes, you know, through labor to having baby. And, and I joke about this, but it's the truth and it's a beautiful truth. Sarah Beth's first words to Theodore were, oh my God, it's so worth it. And she said that while I hadn't even cut the cord yet. That's how much it happened for her. Yet the state shift of being a mom, learning to nurse, waking up with the baby, co-sleeping, which is what we choose to do, um, purchasing stuff, thinking about, that's not a, that's a slow arc. And so there's some parts of your life that are un, indelibly changed because you are now a father, she is now a mother. And there's some parts where you're going to grow into being fathers and mothers. And that, so that's, that's a balance there. Um, yeah, that's my nice little ramble. I love it. Question. Yeah. A little state, state shift is a good, is a good term, but um, I'm glad you put that together. I'm going to keep that in my back pocket. Kind of that journaling and writing down would be really nice. What you have that's super lucky that I didn't have is this podcast, which we hope that people grow, learn, mature, enjoy this. And also a primary motivation for both of us is a video diary. Uh, and so you'll have this, which is a great thing because one of these weeks, probably next week or the week after the story will be, tell me it all. Let's get it all out there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And thanks everyone who's listening because you're indulging us because we're a little free flowing because we're just trying to get everything down, right? We're not as quite as tight as maybe we could be because we just want to get it all out there. Um, speaking of Brad, so should we move on to, um, the next section here? I'd love to Right, everybody. And so now we're coming to the back part and really want to start getting into the logistics and the tips and tricks and the helpful bits. And so Rob, I know you're intentional about how you're going to go once labor starts, when you're going to go, what you're going to bring, what you've done to prepare. And then I have a couple tips and tricks that I'll share with you as well, but really just tell us. What is the fatherly duty coming into, you're going to be in a hospital in a day, a week, and you know it, and you got a chance to prep. What are you doing? Yeah, that's a really good question. So, you know, a couple things, right? So the, there's the day of prep, right? So we got our bags packed. Um, we've got comfy clothes. We've got entertainment. You know, the thing we keep trying to remind ourselves is labor's long. Might be six hours, might be 12 hours, it might be 72 hours, but you want to make sure that you can keep your oxytocin high, which means, you know, how do you just stay entertained? How do you stay connected with books, podcasts, playlists, things like that? So we got all that good to go. But I think too, especially this last month, we've really tried to hone in on like, what are the big things we can do to kind of prep Laura, be ready. And you know, a lot of things, there, there's things that Laura has to do, but I'm trying to be as supportive as I can and help out. So like, you know, our list of kind of daily or, you know, by daily tasks are 
we've been doing a couple things, right? So we've, Laura's been doing her pelvic floor exercises, which has been really good. And she's been really religious about that. She's been strong, getting strong in general. We've been doing some weightlifting and, and cycling and other things indoors um, to make sure she stays fit. You know, uh, we were, we're 39 weeks today and she did a 45 minute bike ride on our little indoor bikes here. So, you know, she's staying as fit as possible, which is, I think, really helping her stay happy and healthy. Um, the other thing we're doing, which is a fun little thing that I, I actually encourage anyone to look into if it's right for them. Uh, we're doing colostrum harvesting. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, colostrum is this little kind of like, it's almost like pre-milk that comes in a couple weeks before the baby is due. So we started doing it probably around week 38. And it's basically these little golden droplets that can um, kind of be uh, expressed from your wife's breasts uh, as she's kind of preparing for labor. And it's supposed to be very nutrient rich and super good for the baby. Uh, And what they sometimes use it for is if either you have a premature baby or if the baby needs to get taken away for a second for anything, you can take basically, uh, at least for us, uh, our, our midwife gave us these little kind of syringes that you can use to kind of suck up the colostrum. Um, and we've got them frozen now. And you, you can't underestimate how little volume this is. As a guy, Tiny. I didn't understand ounces of milk. Um, and this will be something that comes into your journey later because, you know, one ounce versus four ounces, how much can mom bring? But colostrum is teensy tiny. and It's tenths uh, of an ounce. Yeah. And just... It, it's wild and awesome. Uh, so yeah, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So we started a couple, a week or two ago, we probably got 10, seven to 10 syringes full. We try to do it kind of every other day and it's been good for us for a couple of things. One is, um, it's good for the baby. Uh, it, this is really nutrient dense stuff. It's good for, even if you plan to not breastfeed, like you can just kind of squirt this into the baby's mouth uh, and you can keep all the frozen uh, colostrum for up to six months. Again, everyone should check this with their own provider, but, but this is what we've been told, this is what our plan is. So one, you can bring it to the hospital if the baby needs it, if they need to get taken away, they can have a little nutrition. Uh, and if not, you can have, keep some at home and just kind of spurse it throughout their, uh, intersperse it throughout their feeding as they're, as they're in their first weeks and months. Um, it's supposed to be good for, you know, immune system, digestion, microbiome, all that good stuff. Um, the second thing is it's been really helpful because Laura really does want to breastfeed. That's her choice. And that's what she wants to focus on. And it was a, it was a moment of real, um, like kind of confidence boosting, and real, um, yeah, like, um, or it was really, um, I'm capable, big relief. Yeah. It was a relief to her to know. She's like, I've never seen anything come out of my breast before. This is cool that it it works. Um, so it was really, she was very encouraged that it worked. Um, and that you know, her, she's capable of feeding her child. And this is like, a you know, it's something that you don't know you can do until you do it. And so this is a way to a kind near- of prep near universal from what I've heard talking to other dads or what I saw with Sarah Beth what I saw with my sister with her twins 16 years ago, that it's not necessarily fear about whether they're capable of doing it, that, that that's going to be idiosyncratic. But once they achieve it and colostrum is a good kind of halfway measure, it, there's a huge sense of capability that we don't understand. We, we just yeah. don't understand. Um, but yeah. Exactly. 
And then, you know, I just have a huge sense of relief there. And it also, it's, you know, this, this is where I don't know if it's an old wives tale or not, but it's definitely supposed to, there's a lot of talk of if you're producing a lot of and harvesting the colostrum, it'll prep the body for birth. So, you know, for all we know, it's helping kind of move things along, uh, can't hurt. So we're giving it a shot because we really don't want the baby to go late. And then the last thing is that I happen to be good at it. Um, so I've actually been helping. Um, and Laura said, Laura said it was okay for me to help. So yeah. So like um, between, you know, because you kind of need to use a little bit of grip. Um, I'll let people kind of make their own assumptions, but you need to use a little grip and you need to use the syringes and you need to get everything. Um, and I've been basically it's, you know, Laura has to be there, obviously, but it's kind of become my job. And I think Laura's really enjoyed the fact that like, I can really help with something and it it makes her feel like I'm involved and and caring. Um, And so that's been kind of a funny thing that we're, you know, we're joking with the midwives, the midwives that like, I'm the, I'm the, that's my job. I'm the colostrum guy. So um, I hope that uh, that doesn't stick as a nickname in this podcast, but it's certainly been a fun little thing that I've gotten to do um, that makes me feel like I'm participating because, you know, as guys, we're just, we're just along for the ride for the most part. Yeah, it's like that ability to raise your hand and say, I'm willing to try. And also yeah. when people go, no, 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 you don't, you don't have it either because of your biology or because of your technique or an ability, but just letting everyone know well, I'm on the sidelines You put me in, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll do it. I'll go. Um, in there. Yeah, that was a, that's an interesting one. So it's a similar, but different, just the ways you can interact as a father. And uh, I was really excited to, to cut the cord. That was something just uh, that was symbolic oh, yeah. for me. Um, but they also said that I could actually catch the baby. Uh, there's a better word than catch, but my stepfather, who's a family care doc, said I caught a lot of babies in my career. And so I still use that yeah, phrase. Yeah. I actually, in the moment, I was thankful that Sarah Beth actually ended up d- doing a sitting position and I was looking her eye to eye. So I, I didn't even have the chance to say, no, I actually don't want to do that. And, and that was interesting to me. Um, so there's some things where, you can be involved. Some things you can't, some things you want to. And on that one, I kind of feel like I chickened out. Um, and I'm not sad about that because, uh, yeah, I just, I didn't need to be there for that part, but colostrum. That's, that's great. Definitely, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. We're, I'm in the same boat. I've, I'm pretty good. Like, I feel like I wouldn't get too grossed out. I can, I can kind of get, but I think catching the baby is probably just, uh, a step too far. I think I'm going to leave that to the professionals and I'll just be up top with Laura. Um, you know, listen, if, if things come too fast and we're at home and it's got to happen, sure. like I'm in, put me in coach, but like, yeah, I'm, that's one of those ones where I want to be involved, but I'm very happy to kind of take a back seat on that one. Uh, what else? Just uh, admin logistics. Uh, yeah. Other things you're doing to prep for baby or health or food. What's going on? Yeah, you know, uh, we're trying to stay healthy. We're trying to um, you know, eat eat good, lots of hydration. One thing we've been doing, this is a, a trick for everybody that's been really fun, if you can pull it off, is so we happen to find um, Time Out is a kind of online magazine that does kind of food reviews and stuff. Um, and they often publish, so in our town, they have a the 23 best restaurants in Oxford right now. And we happen to be in walking distance of most of them. And so we've basically been on a tear of going out on date nights. 
Um, and we've gone to like over the last maybe three or four weeks, we've gone to like 15 of these restaurants. Now it's a little excessive. We usually don't eat out that much. Um, but a lot of them are very healthy. They're not all super fancy. Some of them are like street food and things like that, but they're just kind of like, what's good in Oxford right now. And, And we've just been going through that list and it's been really fun because one, it's delicious food basically every single time Two, a lot of these restaurants are new to like, we've seen them, but they're new to us. So we get to explore our own city. And then, you know, three, we get to do these date nights together, which is really good because we just know that time is like going to change. And then final sneaky thing in our city, at least, is we can walk. So like we walked like a mile and a half to one of these restaurants there and then a mile and a half home. And getting those walks in as a pregnant person is like primo. So to like walk to dinner, build up your appetite, get to chat have a beautiful dinner at one of these restaurants we've been meaning to go to. And then like a nice long walk in the evening home has been like real. It's really kind of been a highlight of our last couple of weeks, just totally fun and really kind of made these last couple of weeks where Laura's otherwise been feeling pretty big, really enjoyable. So it's been really fun. So a slight anecdote and then back to your list is, yeah, we had a scheduled induction date, and then we were called that morning saying we have too many babies. Can we push you guys till tomorrow? Whoa, okay, sure. You know, it just changes everything, right? Because we had maybe been that uh, labor comes naturally, but there was a there was an end when, and then the the hospital moves it, and so we go to our favorite dinner place, and we just got to have you know it's five o'clock dinner because you're not with you know. 39 week pregnant woman, you're not going to 6 30, dinner. Exactly. And in the middle of dinner, we're just there and we're holding each other's hands. And we're so happy and thankful for this life coming into our world and for each other and what we have. And the middle of that dinner, uh, we get a call and they say, actually, we can fit you in tonight. <laughs> so we went from uh, it's happening on the 6th to, oh, push to the 7th to, well, you can come in tonight at 10 o'clock. <laughs> Okay. Here we go. Yeah. That's oh man. Like. So wild. Um, I will find for you, Sarah Beth found a book on foods post baby. And there are some cultures where I believe it's Japanese culture that specifically a woman's not allowed to touch water for 40 days. And that's to be metaphorical, not doing the dishes, not cooking, not scrubbing or washing. Right for 40 days, she can just be mom. And along the way with that, just the respect of having up to 40 days of just really calm, chill, learn. Some of that's for healthy, normal pregnant women. Some of it's for women who have difficulties, whether they're physical or or um, postpartum depression, other parts of postpartumness. And having really nutritious, very simple food is is a real part of it and we have a book and i cannot remember the name of it and i will make sure to find it and uh should we ever have show notes um to put that in there but that was something that none of these foods i enjoyed um because i'm basically a carnivore and i learned to and enjoyed helping prep these or if she made a big batch of them just giving her the food and nutrition she needed after one less thing for her to deal with so that's something that it's it's funny that you're exploring going out to dinner at wild, amazing, great places. But your next part of your journey is eating quietly at home, very simple food. And that's going to be a state shift for you in the next week or two. For sure. And the good good news is we usually like eating at home. Um, Yeah, the last thing on my list that I felt 
compelled to share is just kind of, we've talked about before, but my work to do list, right? So I've been really intentional these last couple of days about kind of like, I created a group chat with all my key managers um, where I can just text them and say, and they're all expecting like, Hey guys, it's time I'm out. And that's it. And they like, no. And so it's like, we're ready to go. They're queued up. Uh, I've been trying to over communicate with everybody. Like, here's when I'm going to be out. Here's the plan. You know, you can, I'm going to be out for a month. Here's the possible dates. It could be, uh, be ready for it. Um, and just kind of constantly communicating kind of my, with the people, the, the kind of three or four people who are going to be covering all of my stuff, um, communicating with them both separately and together so that they all know what to cover and how they can talk to each other to cover that stuff. So these last two weeks in particular, and, and this week coming up, I've really kind of been narrowing in on over communicating with my team, what's going to go on, what's going to happen, what they can expect and how to talk to each other and how to make decisions. And then uh, I've also got my own to-do list of like all the projects I want to get done or off my plate or started so that other people can carry them forward for a month while I'm out. And, and yeah, so it's been kind of full on and I've been feeling energized about that, which is really nice. So feeling good about work, getting stuff done. Um, yeah. So now it's just like, am I gonna have to work another week or am I about to, am I about to be out? And, and we don't know. So very, very up in the air. Thank you for sharing so much of that stuff. So a couple of things that I learned about coming into the hospital administratively, you'll start noticing in your life what other parents are doing all over the place. Oh, what's the name of that carrier they have? Oh, what kind of stroller? Oh, how's And some people could do comparison shopping. That's the $400 one. That's the $100 one. That's not what I mean. Just the good ideas other parents have. And one idea that I had, I was actually at a Formula One race some years ago, and I saw this family with um, what was basically – like the, the the wagon that Calvin and Hobbes would have, except for they're collapsible now and they're a lot bigger. They actually had a kid sleeping in it of all things, but okay. And I just kind of noticed it because it was right when Sarah Beth and I were starting to try. And I thought, you know, that might help for the hospital. And so once we broke open that, hey, how do we carry more stuff into the hospital? That opened a whole bunch of stuff to, why don't we bring everything we could possibly want? Her own pillow. Like, don't be chintzy. Going to the hospital is not like going on flight where you've got, you know, this is how we're wired. You've got, you know, one bag for you and one bag for the family. It's not that. It's as much as you want. You can fill up your car. You can even do multiple trips. And the real key unlock for us on that ended up being we knew that there were fridges inside the hospital. And Sarah Beth was able to bring five days of her own food. And the hospital food for, for, um, Birthing centers isn't that bad, but having your own food is just so much better. Having your own blanket and then having your own music, really go to town, design this thing to be you know, as fun and nice as you want. But what's hilarious to me is all this stuff that we did. The food was a very good idea. All this stuff that we did, though, the number one key thing that worked the most I had been reading Harry Potter to her during all these exams and all these things every time we have to sit. And I, I kind of throw my voice and I put in all kinds of fake, fake news inside of the, my reading. I'm constantly referencing Nelson, which is the town I'm from, or putting my name, my, our last name into it. And during the day of pregnancy, of delivery, reading to her because it's my voice, it's our relationship, and it's a story we already knew. That ended up being by far the MVP of all things we brought was a $12 book. Um, so that's my my little note to you is 
what can you do to use your voice? Because your voice matters to her. A small note on that. Laura and I actually, uh, not to get too cute, but we actually read to each other quite a bit. Uh, It started when we were doing a long distance relationship. And um, we've been getting through kind of some fun books and series and things. And we've got one that we're kind of like, it's like a third book in a trilogy. And we're like halfway through it. And we're kind of hoping we can hang on through the pregnancy because I do think there's something about like, yeah, not only reading and do those things that might be for some people might not be for everybody, but having some piece of content, whether it's like a podcast series or a a TV show series or a book or a series of books, having something where you're both like halfway into it. So you're both really engaged with it. And like, you want to know what's at next, whether it's like Harry Potter, I love, like, even if you've read it a million times, like you're at that point. So so that when you're trying to go through labor, which is quite distracting, you actually still do want to hear what's next. I totally think that that's awesome and a great way to like cue things up. Awesome. It was funny. We'll start this in the next podcast, but because we have business and life, one of the reasons we started this was because there wasn't a lot of material out there for us to to read about or we just it didn't resonate with us. And so this is in some ways us going through our personal experience and starting to bring in other pieces of literature to talk to our audience about. The second side I'd like to start with is what are you reading or what are you consuming on the business front? And I don't want to start that today because we're already over. Um, But it was interesting that you and I consume a lot of information in a lot of ways, and that would be something nice to share. Um, But I think let's let's go towards the wrapping up part. Let's do dad wins and losses. And uh, I'll I'll just let you – do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. I'll just dive right into it. Um, so my dad wins for this week slash last couple of weeks is definitely I'm it's harvesting colostrum. That's been my job. I got it done. Um, Laura was struggling just with the angle and the amount of grip she needed. And I came in and saved the day. So it turns out being a boy um, and having some, you know, it was, was useful in this, in this particular scenario. So um, that's been fun. Totally my win for the week. Really fun. Really excited about that. I think, you know, I was talking to Laura before we started um, and, you know, at the risk of sounding uh, a little too cocky, just struggling to come up with the fails. But I think where Laura and I were struggling the most, our dad's struggles or our parents' struggles right now has been naming. Um, finding a name. Now we think we've got one. You heard it here first. Um, we're pretty sure we got to meet him, but we think we got one, but that was one of the most, we really, we kind of ignored it for a long time. Um, because we had some early conversations that didn't go very well. And, and so we finally got to last weekend and said, like, we can't go to the end of this weekend. We can't go to week 39 with like no idea what we're going to name him. Cause that's just not okay. Like we can't be in the hospital being like, ah, I don't know. So we kind of fought through it. You know, there, we have some differing opinions between like families and and the UK and the US and like what you know what names work for each country which names work for each family um and we kind of ended up coming back to the first our first thought but it but we we came back to it not as a um so I guess this is turning into a win we came back to it not as a oh I guess this is the only thing we can agree on but actually we got excited about it but the kind of struggle there of I didn't expect it to be a struggle. I expected it to be fun, but man, I really, I found it very difficult to pick a name and still, you know, we don't know for sure. And 
it's hard to think of him. I, I haven't met him yet, so it's hard to think of him as that name or anything else. But that's probably the the fail of the week was just kind of how much I struggled with that whole conversation. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. My my wins and fails, you know, we we went through Christmas and moving and then vacation and now we're still kind of in moving. And so the there's a thousand little fails in there that, that don't really feel like failures or just I could have shown up better. Uh, but the one that is really on me in this household is we have a one-year-old golden retriever. We lost our dog last year, uh, this week actually. And then we got another one and we knew that that was going to be a lot. He has so much energy and he needs to let it get out. And I've been tired and stressed and everything. And I actually burden the family by not going and running the dog because he's just running around being, you know, a dumb, dumb puppy. He's doing his best and it's not his fault. It is my fault. And that is something that I just, I own that I need to take the time. This morning I got on the Peloton, which was good for me, but then I had to go out. It's negative four in Boulder right now and snowing. And I just said, you know what? I, I can't, I can't shirk this duty. It's bad for everybody. And I have been. And um, so that's a, that's a, that's definitely a fail on the win side. It actually feels like there's more wins than not. We actually didn't really do a Theo update, but he's he's a great little kid and we're starting to do solid foods. Um, but the real win for me, we talked to, uh, her name is Patience, our sleep coach, and that it's time for baby to learn to sleep with me. And uh, and one of the key attributes for that is mom to physically be gone. Well, right now we're going to try basement versus uh, top floor. Uh, eventually she said, no, no, Sarah Beth, go out to dinner with your friends, go see a movie. But the win for me was I've gotten to fall asleep with me a couple times, but really feeling this connection of he basically has only fallen asleep for mom for six months. And now he's starting to do it with me. And I, I feel competent to achieve that goal. And that I, I can't tell you how much your heart swells and grows when you can take care of your child that way. So that's a, a they're almost choking up on it. It's It's a lovely, lovely win. That is an awesome win, Brad, and I'm I'm so happy for you on that. I'm I'm hoping that goes well and you kind of break that cycle. It'll be great. Well, why don't we call it there? That's a great place to end it. So yeah, I think so too. Thanks everybody for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, if you have a dad win or a dad fail, if you've got advice for us, uh, if there's a topic you want us to cover, email us at daddyopodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and if you like what you're hearing, you know, like it, share it, subscribe, do all of the things that you need to do on the internet to, to help us out. We really appreciate it and, uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks everybody. Thank you for listening.